Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. So excited to see all of you and be able to celebrate with you for Easter Sunday. Man, how many of you like Easter? I just got to tell you, I love Easter. What is there not to like about Easter? I mean, you got chocolate bunnies, you got candy, you got getting new clothes and dressing up. Come on, who doesn't love that? In fact, I'm looking around at some of y'all, man, y'all clean up pretty good. I'm just saying, just look at your neighbor, tell them, you clean up good. You do. I mean, some of you, man, you came in and I see some of you guys, like got your ties on. You're already kind of straightening or maybe even loosening them up just a little bit. And you know it's Easter at LifeGate when the pastor is wearing a sport coat. I'm just saying, I'm telling you, and you know, I even match the buttons on my sport coat to my socks. Come on, how about that? That's just... That's what you do on Easter, and I I just love everything about Easter. What is not to love? And yet, of course, we know that Easter is not about bunnies and candy and egg hunts and new clothes or lilies or any of that kind of stuff. We know that what we celebrate this weekend is the most important day in all of history. Come on, right? All of history was split into two parts, A.D. and B.C., all because of what we celebrate right here today the greatest man who ever walked the face of this earth the real goat the greatest of all time who gave his life for us and because he gave his life but he didn't just die on a cross he went into that tomb but on the third day he rose and he is risen today come on I think that's something to be excited about today he is risen. And man, I'm so excited to celebrate that with you. And what we've been doing the last couple of weeks, for those that are just joining us today, we've been in this series called The Struggle Bus. So everybody say, Struggle Bus. Now we taught you last week how you got to say it. You got to say it like this, The Struggle Bus. All right? Just say, Struggle Bus. How many of you have ever heard that term before? The Struggle Bus? You ever heard it? A few of you have heard it. Some of you haven't. Let me just catch you up. It's kind of an internet thing, kind of a thing that you might see on social media from time to time. And it basically just means this, like, you know, if I'm having a bad day or things aren't going as well as I would like them, or maybe life is just kind of not going as well, I've had a bad week, or I'm just struggling, you might say I'm riding the struggle bus. In fact, I was thinking about just a good illustration of what it means to be on the struggle bus. A few years ago, it's probably about four or five years ago, I got a new car. Now, it wasn't a new car. It was a new-to-me car. Anybody ever have one of those before, right? But it was still, it was new to me, and so I was proud of it. And so I had it parked in the garage, which is very rare at our house because usually our garage is so full of junk, you can't get a car in it, right? But this is a new-to-me car, so we cleaned out half of the garage so I could at least get one car in there. And so the car's in the garage. And one morning I get up to go, you know, do whatever it was I was going to do for the day. And I got in the car, I fired the car up. And for whatever reason, I wasn't paying attention, probably looking at my phone or something like that, you know. And so I didn't look directly behind me. I put the car into reverse and I hit the gas to back out. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear this loud crunch. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened? I turn around to discover that just behind me is my wife's van. Now, in just one moment's time, I have my only two cars, and both of them are crunched. 
And I'm so frustrated. I'm so mad. I get out of the car. I slam the car door. I go inside. I slam the door inside. I'm so mad and frustrated. Not at my wife, of course, because she's sitting right here, you know, on the front row. Okay, maybe a little mad at my wife, but I was mad at the situation. And I'm looking for something to take my anger out on. And yet, even though I'm so angry, I'm like, you know, I don't want to add insult to injury or maybe, you know, injury to insult. I wanted to punch something, but I didn't want to hurt myself. And so I looked and I saw the bed and I punched the bed. Come on. How many know what I'm saying? Like, don't tell me your pastor's not smart. Maybe he needs to control his anger a little bit, but not dumb. You know what I'm saying? And, and man, I'm so frustrated. Finally, Amber gets me settled down just a little bit. And I kind of figure, you know, things out. We take the car, we get it fixed and, and, and everything's good for about three weeks. And then about three weeks later, if I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Amber decides that she's going to drive the car. She goes into the garage after it's been fixed and does the exact same thing. <laughs> it didn't get fixed after that. I'm just saying. How many know I was riding the struggle bus that day? How many ever been on the struggle bus? You know what I'm talking about? Like struggles in life. And that's what we've been talking about in this series. And we learned this important, important thing last week that really kind of drives us through the entire series. And it kind of goes like this. You ready for this? You're going to struggle. <laughs> Everybody just look at your neighbor. Just tell them you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. I know you came on Easter to get all pumped up and get excited. And then pastor says, you're going to struggle. (laughs) But it's true. You're going to have struggles in your life. I wish that I could tell you that if you are a Christian and that if you come to church and if you do all the right things, that everything will be candy and roses and Easter bunnies and rainbows and unicorns and there will never be any problems or struggles in life. But I can't tell you that because it's simply not true. The truth of the matter is in this life, you will have struggles. In fact, it leads me to kind of our key verse for this entire series. It's going to be on the screen there for you today. I want us to look at it together. It's found in the book of John chapter 16 and verse number 33. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And I want us to look at it together. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. For in this world you will what? Everybody say it out loud. You will have trouble. But take heart for I have overcome the world. See, this is the message of Easter, that no matter what you face, because Jesus has already faced the ultimate struggle, that even though you and I are going to face struggles in our life, we can take heart, we can be of good cheer, we can have courage because Jesus has already overcome every struggle that you and I may face. There is hope for you. And that's the message of Easter. That's the message of this series. We've been looking at a few of the struggles that many of us face at times in life. And I'm really excited to share some of them with you next week. We're going to be digging into what does it look like when I'm struggling in my emotions? How many know there are a lot of people who struggle with emotional stuff and struggle with discouragement and depression and sorrow and sadness and anger and all these different emotions? And we're going to dive into that next week. And I would encourage you to be here for that. And then the week after that, man, I'm so excited. We're going to do something we've never done together as a church before. Me and Pastor Amber are going to tag team a sermon. Come on, right? 
You're not going to want to miss it. And we're going to talk about what happens when you face some marriage struggles. You're not going to want to miss that. And then that's going to be so good that we're actually going to give the next week completely to Pastor Amber on Mother's Day. She's going to preach and she's going to talk about what happens when you go through, when you go through family struggles. And I'm just telling you, you're not, you're not going to want to miss a single week over this next few weeks because some of you are facing some of these struggles. And the message of Easter today is there is hope. Hope for your struggle. That because Jesus faced the ultimate struggle on that cross, but he was victorious over it. I'm telling you, there is nothing that you can face that is too far gone that Jesus can't bring a resurrection to. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, that sounds pretty good, Pastor. You know, it is Easter Sunday, and so it's easy for you to get up there and preach that. But that's not exactly what I see in my life. Pastor, you don't know what's happening in my marriage. You don't know what's happening in my family. You don't know that I just lost my job this week. You don't know the the report that I got from the doctor. You don't know that my friend got cancer. Pastor, it's easy for you to say that there is hope. It's easy for you to say that Jesus has already overcome. But I'm not really sure because what Jesus has said is not necessarily lining up with what I am seeing in my life. There's some of you that are here right now and you're facing what we're going to talk about today. You're facing a faith struggle. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a man in this story of Jesus and his resurrection. A man who faced the struggle with his faith. A man named Thomas. How many ever heard of this guy, the disciple Thomas? Have you heard of him before? Now, now most of you probably have heard of him as Doubting Thomas. How many ever heard that before? I was thinking about this as I was, as I was preparing for the message. What a thing to be known for. You know what I mean? Of all the things in the Bible. I mean, you got Peter who was the guy who walked on water. And you got John, the beloved. And you got, you know, you got David, the giant killer and then you got Thomas the guy who doubted how would you like to be known as that and yet here's Thomas facing this situation where what he is seeing is not necessarily lining up with with what Jesus had said in fact let me just kind of set it up for you just a little bit Jesus has already gone to the cross he's already been in the grave three days has already come and gone and Jesus is risen and all of the other disciples have seen Jesus in his resurrected body and they come back and and Thomas has not seen him and so the disciples are trying to tell Thomas what has happened and notice how Thomas responds maybe the same way many of us would respond we find it in John chapter 20 and verse number 25 24 and 25 it says now Thomas one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came so the other disciples took him we have seen the Lord but he said to them and and look what Thomas says unless I see the nail marks in his hand And put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side. Look what he says. I will not believe. Man, I want you to check this out. This guy is struggling with some doubt. I mean, Jesus has already risen. Easter has already come. Everything has already changed. And yet Thomas is struggling with his faith. Maybe there are some of you that that's you today. Like you're sitting in this room and it's Easter Sunday and you're dressed up in your best. And on the outside, you're acting like everything is good. But deep down on the inside, you are struggling to believe. Can I tell you today, like if you've ever struggled with doubts, if you're struggling with doubts right now, can I tell you, you're not alone. 
in fact, you're in pretty good company. You just study through the Bible and you're going to see men and women who over and over, men and women who made it into the Bible, who struggled with some doubts, who struggled in their faith at times. I mean, I'm thinking about John the Baptist, who the Bible says, like, there was no other man besides Jesus who was ever born of a woman that was as great as him. I mean, this guy was an amazing man of faith. And yet when he went through a difficult time, he was thrown into prison. He doubted. He wondered. He even sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? I think about Elijah, man, a man who called down fire from heaven, but just a few verses after that, who sat under a tree by a brook asking God to kill him. He was so filled with doubt. He didn't even know if God could come through. I think about men like David who were known as a man after God's own heart and yet he wrote an entire book filled with songs to God, many of them asking questions and expressing doubts that he felt in his faith. Now, I think about times in my life, I know in no way do I anywhere close to measuring up with these men in the, in the Bible. But I know, man, even as a pastor, there have been times in my life when I struggled with my doubt, when I struggled with my faith in our church planting journey and in our pastoring journey. I can remember a time where I sat in my bathroom, sat on the side of the bathtub, just tears flowing down my face, wondering where was God in the middle of the struggle that I was facing. Come on, any ever, ever been there before? And today what I want to do is I want to talk, first of all, I just want to talk about a few doubts that I've had in my life. And maybe some of you have experienced these type of doubts. And then we'll talk a little bit about why do we struggle with doubt? How do we overcome this faith struggle in our lives? So let's just, let's just write these things down if you're taking notes. The first one, maybe some of you would relate to this doubt. And it goes like this. I doubt God's existence. How many ever been there before? Where it's like, does God really even exist? Is this stuff even like really real? I mean, this doubt kind of goes like this. God, if you are real, then I need you to prove it. In fact, that's kind of what was going on with Thomas. God, if if this is real, I got to see it with my own eyes. I need some living Proof. In fact, man, I can remember as a kid struggling with this doubt. I was a kid who grew up in church. My, pa- my parents are pastors. I had, you know, I like to say I had a drug problem. Every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, my parents drugged me to church. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And I remember, man, I remember uh, thinking when I was a little kid, is this stuff even real? Like, like, what if everybody's in on the joke except me? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, is God really even real and some of you are in this place today and that's the struggle you're facing you're like dressed up on easter you came because your family invited you but you're not really even sure like if this whole god thing is real and if god really even exists and let me just tell you if that's you i'm so glad that you're here today you are in the right place and let me just tell you this don't stop coming Don't stop seeking. Don't stop checking it out. Because here's the deal. The Bible says it like this in Jeremiah. That if we will seek God with all of our heart. That he will be found. Sometimes man, we struggle with this. Does God even exist? Is he even real? Here's another doubt that some of us may struggle with at times. And it goes like this. I doubt God's goodness. See some of us are, are like this. We're like well you know what. I believe that God is real. And that he really exists. But man I'm not really sure if he's really good. I know, Pastor, you say he's good, but man, I'm not really seeing him to be good in my life. I mean, this doubt kind of goes like this. If God is really good, then why do all these bad things happen in my life? If God is really good, then why did I lose my job? 
Like if God really cares about me, if he's really good, then why did my friend get sick? Or why did my husband leave? Or why am I going through this emotional battle and I can't seem to even have enough energy to get up out of bed in the morning? Why did I find out that I have this terminal disease? If God is really good, then why would he allow this bad stuff to happen in this world and to happen in my life? Does he even care? In fact, it kind of reminds me of the disciples who were in the boat and the Bible says that they were in in the middle of the sea trying to get to the other side and suddenly a struggle came. Suddenly a storm arose and there they were. They're fighting for their lives, about to drown and yet Jesus is in the back of the boat. I mean, he's sleeping through the middle of the storm and the disciples go to the boat and they wake him up and I, I think it's so interesting what they say. They say, Master, don't you even care that we're gonna drown? And some of you, maybe that's your doubt today. God, do you even care? Don't you see the storm I'm in? Don't you see the struggle? Like if you are real and if you are good, then why would you allow me? If you really care for me, why would you allow me to be going through the thing that I'm going through right now? And I'll tell you, I've struggled with this even as a pastor. It's easy for me to get up here and talk about how good God is But then as a pastor, I see things happen in the lives of the people that I lead. And I wonder, where's God's goodness in that? And it's easy for me to get up here and say, oh, God loves you and he cares and he's so good. But then what do I do and how do I reconcile when I'm when I'm doing the funeral of the 27 year old young man, the kid who grew up in our youth group, who played the drums on our worship team. and, And I'm doing his funeral because his life got so bad, he took his own life. And I'm hugging the family member, and the dad is big old burly, manly man, hugging me, tears strolling down his face. Where do I find the goodness of God in the middle of that? How do I reconcile that God is good when, when I'm sitting in the hospital day after day after day for a year with the family of the, of the seven-year-old uh, young girl who discovered that she had a brain tumor and every day we would pray and mom and dad believed with all their heart that God was going to heal her and raise her up. But a year later, he didn't heal her. Instead, she passed away. She died. Where's the goodness of God in that? Where's the goodness of God when I'm sitting in my own living room Looking across, the, looking across the couch at my best friend, looking into his eyes and having to say, I don't want to tell you this, but we just found out that your wife was cheating on you. Where's God in the middle of that? Where's God when I'm this morning, 5.45 a.m., getting a text message from, from a, a friend of mine who's a missionary in Sri Lanka. If you saw what happened in Sri Lanka this morning, and a missionary who used to be our worship leader here at our church and saying, Pastor, pray for us, we're safe. But we were at church when the explosion went off and the 200 and something people were killed this morning. And so many times it's difficult to reconcile. Like, I want to believe, but it's so difficult when I see the struggles and the problems. God, do you exist? And if you exist, are you good? And if you are good, then why would you allow? things like this to happen in fact some of you are saying those things didn't just happen to a friend they happened to me and you're struggling struggling with your doubt I doubt God's existence I doubt God's goodness here's another one number three I doubt God's involvement maybe sometimes it goes like this like God if you're really powerful then why don't you do something 
Come on, how many ever thought this before? Like if you're really good, if you really care and you are powerful and you can do something, then why don't you? Like, why didn't you come into that marriage and fix it? Why didn't you stop that young man from committing suicide? Why didn't you heal my loved one that I was praying for over and over and over? God, if you are really there and if you are really good and if you really care and if you are really powerful, then why aren't you doing something about the situations that I'm facing in my life? And that's some of you today. Like on the outside, you got it all together. But on the inside, you're on the struggle bus. You're you're struggling with doubt. Why is it? Why is it that we struggle with doubt? In fact, let's just talk about two things. If you're on the struggle bus, how'd you get on it? And then how do you get off? And I want us to look at at Thomas for just a minute. I want to see two things that cause Thomas to doubt, I believe. Letter A is this, is that we, we tend to struggle with doubt when we put our faith in what we see. In fact, this is what was happening with Thomas. Check it out in verse 25. Look what he says. These three words that are so important. He says, unless I what? Everybody say it. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in the nails where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Notice this. He says, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. And isn't this so much the way that like, like we live so many times? I mean, we are a prove it to me kind of a generation. In fact, we even have a saying that says, seeing is believing, right? If I see it, I'll believe it, but I'm not going to believe it. You've got to show me. Don't just tell me, show me. Come on, right? And yet that's the exact opposite of what the Bible says about faith. In fact, look what the Bible says about faith. It says it in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Look what it says faith is. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we what? Say it out loud. Of what we do not See, faith is saying, I might not see it, but I'm choosing to believe it anyway. And you know how we, how we have this kind of faith? We have to get in our heart and understand we don't see it all. See, sometimes we see what's going on around us, but we don't see what God is doing in the middle of it. In fact, the Bible says it like this, that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He sees things from a different perspective. He sees the big picture. In fact, Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 13. Right now, I only see but a dim reflection. In other words, he says, hey, this is what it's like. In life, when I see what's going on around me, you know what it's like? It's like when I walk into a dimly lit room and my eyes have not yet adjusted. And there are things that are going on around me, but I can't yet see them. And so many of us, we struggle with our faith because we put our faith in the things that we can see rather than the things that we know that God has said. In fact, it kind of reminds me of, have you ever seen one of, those, uh, one of those magic 3D pictures before? You've seen that on the internet, you know what I'm saying? And you're supposed to like stare at it. And if you stare at it long enough, then, you know, it just looks like a jumbled mess. But then suddenly it's like supposed to pop out at you and you see it, right? In fact, I thought we'd just have a little fun with this today. And I brought a couple. This first one, put it up there, guys. This first one is a picture of an Easter bunny. Anybody see an Easter bunny there? Come on, stare at it really long. Let your eyes just gaze into the picture, right? How many of you see an Easter bunny? Raise your hand. Three of you. All right, good job. Let's try a different one. That was a hard one. Let's try a different one. Put this one up there. It's a picture of an Easter egg. How many can see the Easter egg in there? Come on, stare real hard. Get in there real good. All right. Anybody seeing it? Raise your hand if you see it. Raise your hand if you don't see it. All right, that's, I don't see it either. This last one... <laughs> Y'all thought I saw it. This last one is a, it's a, very, it's a picture of a very rare Easter crane. Show us a picture. Show us a picture. Easter crane. 
Oh, wait, how'd that get up there? That's a bad joke right there. That's terrible. Here's the deal. So many of you, the reason you're struggling with your faith might be this is because there's things going on around you, but you just don't see it. You're putting your faith in what you see. You're saying, I know God is good and that he's powerful and he can do something in my life. But man, I don't, what I see is a marriage that's falling apart. What I see is, is a financial struggle. What I see is things that are happening in my relationships or in my emotions that I can't seem to overcome. And here's the problem is that we're putting all of our faith in the things that we can see rather than in the fa- things that God has said. Why do we struggle with our faith? Maybe it's because... We're putting faith in things we can see. But then notice what else Thomas does. Sometimes we struggle with our faith because we're putting our faith in the things we can feel. In fact, look what he says. He says, not only do I need to see it, but look what he says. I need to put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side. Otherwise, I will not believe. In other words, he says, in order for me to believe it, I got to feel it. And isn't this the way a lot of us live? Like we're in love with our feelings. I want to feel it, and and it's all about feelings and how I feel. We like to share our feelings, and we like to write our feelings, and we like to post our feelings all over Facebook. Come on. Like, and here's what we do. We make decisions even based on our feelings. How many ever made a bad decision because you felt like it in the moment? It turned out to be a struggle. And here's the deal. The reason many of us struggle in our faith is because we put our faith in our feelings. And let me just tell you something today. Feelings are unfaithful. They'll trick you. You'll think one day something is one thing and the next day you wake up feeling different. I mean, almost every night before I go to bed, I feel like getting up in the morning, working out and eating right. But the next morning, I don't feel it. Right? And many of you, this is the reason you're struggling with your faith. This is the reason you're up and you're down and you're in and you're out. And we see you on Easter and Christmas and every once in a while when something's going difficult in your life. It's because you have put your faith in what you feel rather than your faith in God. And let me just tell you something. We cannot reduce God down to our bite size, what we can see and understand and feel in our emotions. God is so much bigger than that, and he will not be reduced down. And we've got to decide, even when I don't see it and even when I don't feel it, I am going to trust what he has said. I am going to trust who he is. If you're riding a struggle bus, maybe it's because, hey, I'm putting my faith in what I see. I'm putting my faith in what I feel. So how do I get off the bus? Three things, real quick, write it down. If you're struggling with your faith, number one, here's all you got to do. Acknowledge it. Everybody say acknowledge. acknowledge. Just acknowledge the struggle. It's okay. It's okay to say, man, I'm struggling. It's okay to say there are things that I don't understand. Some of you are trying to figure it all out. Before I can believe, i got to figure it all out. No, 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 no. You're never going to figure it all out. And you just have to admit, hey, it's okay to have some doubts. It's okay to struggle with some questions. In fact, God is not afraid of your doubts or your questions. You study the scripture and you will see he actually even encourages them. Over and over he says words like this. Ask, seek, search, knock. If you're struggling with some I don't understand things, here's what he says. Ask me about it. 
In fact, it might be the struggle with your faith that actually builds your faith. In fact, the scripture teaches us like this, that we should work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. What's that talking about? Hey, there's some things I don't understand and I don't know. And I read the Bible and it doesn't seem to make sense. And, and you know, I see situations in my life and they don't seem to line up with who God is and what he says and all of those things. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to ask and I'm going to seek and I'm going to question and I'm going to knock and I'm going to trust that God is big enough to handle all of that and as I ask and seek and knock he begins to grow my faith in him come on right just acknowledge it's okay to say hey I'm struggling with some faith but then after you acknowledge this is what you do letter b write this down you just ask God to help you I love this story in Mark chapter 9 there's this guy whose whose son is demon possessed and he brings his son to Jesus for healing, he's not really sure what Jesus can do or if he can do anything. He has enough faith to, to kind of bring him there. And he gets to Jesus and he says to Jesus, Jesus, uh, Master, I don't know if you can do anything, but if you can do something, then would you please heal my son? And Jesus says, if, <laughs> if I can do something. And then he looks at him and he says, hey, all things are possible if you just believe. And then I love the way the guy in Mark chapter 9 responds. He says, I do believe, but help me. With my unbelief. Man, I love this. This guy, man, he doesn't have all the faith in the world. He just has enough faith to just say, God, I'm trying. I'm trying to believe, but I'm struggling. Help me. Help me to believe more. And that's some of you that are here today. Like, you're struggling with your faith. And here's all you do is you say, God, help me. Like, I don't understand. I acknowledge that I don't understand what's going on. And things don't always make sense. And I can't figure it all out. And God, I'm helping. I'm asking you to help me, to grow me, to build my faith so I can trust you more write this down you just act everybody say act act on the faith that you already have some of you say man when i get it all figured out that's when i can live for the lord man when i figure this whole bible thing out when you do that just let me know all right because you're never going to get it all figured out some of you say man my faith is not big enough to live this out let me just tell you something it doesn't take big faith you may have big struggles but it only takes a little faith in fact, the Bible says it like this. You just have faith the size of a mustard seed. Anybody ever seen a mustard seed before? It's so tiny. Some of you go, man, I got huge struggles and big problems and not very big, very, very big faith. And God says, just give me the faith you got. Just step out and trust me. Because I'm bigger than your doubts and your questions and your struggles. If you will just trust me, oh, but I don't see it happening. Oh, I can't feel it right now. And God says, hey, there's something greater than what you see or greater than what you feel. It's deciding I'm going to trust what I know in my heart. And man, I love this. I love the way this story with Thomas kind of wraps up because Thomas says, man, I don't see it and I don't feel it. And man, I got to see it. I got to have proof. But then notice what happens just just a, a little bit later. In fact, it says it in John chapter 20 and verse 26. A week later, after Thomas has gone through these doubts and he says what he says, look at this. It says a week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, first of all, Jesus just walked through the wall. Of course, he better say peace be with you, right? Because they're a little freaked out. And then look what he says to Thomas. He says, put your finger here in my hands and reach your hand out and put it in my side and stop doubting. Just believe. And I love this, that, that Jesus loved Thomas 
So much that even in the middle, I mean, he had some stuff going on, right? He had just gone to the tomb. He had just gone to hell to overcome death and the grave. And he's about to be resurrected and be be ascended to the Father. And in the middle of that, Jesus loved Thomas enough to stop what he was doing and go to the house that day and speak directly to the very doubts that Thomas had. He didn't reprimand him. He loved him. Some of you, you need to hear that today. Even in the midst of all that Jesus has going on in this world around him, he loves you enough that he brought you in this room today to hear this message today, to speak directly to the very doubts and fears and questions that you have in your life. And then notice what he says. I love this. Verse 28, Thomas said, oh, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed But blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. Man, it was was good for Thomas. He got to see it with his own eyes. But what about us who don't get to see it with our own eyes? Guess what? There's a special blessing for you and I when we decide, man, I haven't seen it and I don't feel it. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust it, man. I'm going to acknowledge that there's doubts. I'm going to ask God to help me. And I'm going to step out in the faith that God has placed inside me. Some of you are struggling. You're struggling with your faith today. I'm telling you, it's okay to have struggles and doubts. Just bring those struggles and doubts to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me all over this room today? Lord, I thank you for your word that speaks to our hearts. God, I know that there are some that are here today that they're struggling. Doubts, questions, fears, things they don't understand. God, I know that there are some that are in this room tonight that... The only thing that's holding them back from surrendering their life completely to you is that they don't have all their questions answered. But today I'm so thankful that you already answered the question. You gave the answer. That answer is your son, Jesus. And if there are those that are here that maybe they're struggling with their doubts, may they realize that they're not going to get it all figured out, but they can trust in a God who knows and understands, a God who cares, a God who's in control. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today, maybe some of you are here and you'd say, that's me, Pastor. I know I'm not where I should be with God. Maybe some of you say the whole reason I haven't surrendered my life is because I hadn't figured out all the questions. And let me just tell you, you're not going to get them all figured out. That's where faith comes in. Faith is the evidence of things that are unseen. Faith is saying, I don't understand, but I'm going to believe anyway. Others of you, you just have to realize, guess what? You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We fall short of the glory of God. But God loves us so much. Man, that's what Easter's all about. It's about the love of God, that God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Whoever would believe in him, that there would be be everlasting life. Jesus is the resurrection. He died, but he rose on that third day. And because of what he has done, you can have relationship with him. Freedom, forgiveness, hope in any situation of your life. And it just starts right here. Just starts by believing.